Ladies and gentlefish. Wait, wrong show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Headlock and Hip Toss edition of the Wrestle Alliance podcast. I'm your host with the most, the Agent Frost, along with my comrades. First off, Madam B. Hello, hello, my friends. And Big Daddy. Welcome to a wonderful fucking Friday night. Yes, Friday night. Why are we doing this Friday night? Because our timeline is Friday night to Saturday morning. So, uh, after this podcast, after this episode, we will be gone for two weeks for Christmas break, and we'll be back with our year review, heading into our second season of the Wrestle Alliance podcast. Season two. Season two. Yes, so... Tonight's card goes to advertise. We're going to talk about this week in wrestling, and we have a nice main event for you. What is it? As always, tune in to find out. So, and this is our, and this is our naughty podcast. This is our gloves are off. This is our ten to eleven podcast. Yes, um, tackle drop down is basically our professional podcast since we are reviewing and predicting pay per views. But for our headlock and hip tosses, we're just shooting off the hip, so it is unre- so it is the um, you know, glove uh, gloves off. Exactly. So if you have any tiny humans that you don't want them to repeat any naughty words, now is the time to shut it down. We love you, and we will see you in two weeks. So with that being said, let's kick it off with the pre-show coming up next. Welcome to the pre-show, everybody. I haven't done that in a while. Wow. What, what are we going to call that character? I don't know. We, I think we need to call that character. Um, The Great Maloof. I don't know. <laughs> the Great Maloof! The Great Maloof says, Welcome to the pre-show, everybody. We got some breaking news for you. Take it away, sir. Thank you, sir. See, that's the full version of it. That's the full version of it. So I try to save everybody's sanity just by shorting it down. I like Well, it's better than the breaking news, I broke wind. Yeah, right. I like the I broke wind character, thank you. And speaking of breaking wind, what is going on with these cold fronts in Florida? This is like repeated cold fronts. Yeah, this one um, kind of uh, was a little, it was a little unexpected, so. Because of all the storms. Yeah. It it, it was a little unexpected. It was out of nowhere. Yeah. Woke up this morning. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry to interrupt. There's a contradiction in what you just said. It was expected but it was out of nowhere <laughs> explain please she's the one that said expect expected i said it's like an rko out of nowhere okay difference of opinion so but still it was so it was it was really cold and it, when we got up this morning and it was like I was unprepared. I was not ready. 
Yeah, I, I always looked at my phone just to check, and I was just, oh my gosh, my lips, my lips were chapped so bad that they started splitting open. So thank God for cortisone, for cortisone, cortisone. Otherwise, I wouldn't have be able to speak right now. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna need to get. You, I think we need to get you some Carmex for Christmas. I have Carmex. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I have Carmex and cortisone. Um, thank you. Otherwise, my lips will be shriveled like raisins. Ooh. And, oh, I have other, I have some some breaking news from our friends at No DQ. Go ahead. Uh, well, it's not really breaking news. Well, it kind of is. Here we, I know where you're going. To, According to Alex McCarthy of TalkSport.com, not only have people within WWE been reacting to Raw's record low viewership, yes. but there's a reaction from USA. USA Network are furious. They want more adult content. Not sexy adult, but dark and violent adult. Yes, more, yes. Uh, How fucking long have we been saying this shit? Years. Too many years. So, Raw... Table shot. We want... I want... Ta- I want table spots. I want headshot. Modified headshots. We need blood. We need gore. We don't need that. We just need more attitude. <laughs> Let's put it that I way. I want a fucking gladiator, bitch. A lot of characters... Because these characters are bland. They're bland. They're stale. They're corny. Like, this is why we don't do... The main shows. Raw, so for, for those of you for those of you that are wondering, Raw averaged 1.52 million viewers, which is the lowest it's ever been. Uh-huh. Just like not even five years ago, they were doing twice that number. And guess oh, what? Yeah, they were they were doing amazing, and it's just like all of a sudden. It's like the lowest viewership, and they're like, and again, we have made some reasonable COVID. We we gave them some reasonable doubt, you know, COVID and, and you know people leaving to go to another company, and you know the match scramble and everything. Plus, but look at AEW. AEW not, has not sorry to interrupt, but AEW has not struggled after COVID. No, they really haven't. I mean, do they have protections in place? Absolutely. But they also don't pull the wool over their eyes. They're like, listen, we had to cancel this event because this guy came down with COVID. Okay, fine. So. But they made no attempt to. To me, they're more. I'm sorry to cut you off. But to me, they're Mm -hmm. more of a a massive indie show. They don't really do storyline. They just let the matches speak for themselves. They have yet to put together an actual thought line um, storybook, if you want to call it yet. Uh-huh. Well, I think the reason why is because their attempts at doing something storyline-wise did not pan out the way that they hoped, but that's a, that's a debate for another day. Yes, we will get to the debates uh, foreshadowing. So, yes, in terms of the 18 to 49 demographic, AEW beat Raw in the 18 to 49 demos. Ah. 
for both male for both male and female which which shows you that a lot of the older generation are tuning in the raw and the people who you know the, the 1849 demographic is what a lot of these cable television networks um uh, yeah rely on and obsess over you want to know why they're a young market they're going to be watching for years to come so you want to get them while they're early you know as i say train them young so they can be around for a long time but if you lose out on those viewers you're screwed because what's because longevity what's going to keep your company growing longevity yes so you need younger so you need to have those fans around profitable donors Yes, within the 18... investors. Yes, and the age group, 18 to 49, is big on that. So, I don't know what's going on, guys. And speaking of what's going on, let's um, transition out real quick since we're just talking about the pre-show. Have you heard about James Harden and how he's been going to strip clubs and skipping practice? Yes, so James Harden of the Houston Rockets has been demanding a trade for like weeks now since Russell Westbrook got swapped out for John Wall in that Houston Rockets-Washington Wizards trade. They also got the Marcus Cousins, so finally they get a center once they realize small ball didn't work after getting destroyed by the Lakers. Just wanted to say that. Oh, and a shout-out to uh, Horton Tucker, by the way. That dude's a beast. Why doesn't he try to follow his old teammate and just go to freaking L.A.? Or not L.A., but... um Brooklyn? No. Uh, Golden State. Um, That dynamic wouldn't work. We thought that dynamic wouldn't work with KD. No, the reason why I say that dynamic wouldn't work because James Harden needs the ball in his hands. So Steph Curry has to play more of an off-ball deep, more has to be more of an off-ball role. Not to mention, the Warriors are already set on guards. They don't need J- James Harden. They've already proven they don't need James Harden to win a championship. That's true. So you also got to look mean, at you also got basketball, but go ahead. I know that's at least true. Yeah, you got to look at chemistry sometimes. So, like, that's why when people was like, oh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden are going to be a great duo. I'm like, no, they're not. They're practically the same guy. They do everything. You need diversity. You need – it's like, okay, you got, an, you got an on-ball guard. You need a guard who can shoot on the wing. You need a guard who can play off the ball. A guard who doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. That way they can complement each other. You know what I'm saying? That's for real. Chemistry, guys. Chemistry. So, that's all I got to say. Um, I'm pretty excited that to see John Wall and um, DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant out there playing. You know, because they've been injured for X amount of years. And um, so, it's going to be a pretty good season. Hopefully, um, hopefully, the Suns are a lot better this year. Because Devin Booker deserves so much better than what he's getting. So uh, that's enough for sports in the sports world. I'm calling Orlando to the Eastern Conference Finals to lose to, I don't know, pick a team, Boston in six. 
Okay, so you think Orlando's going to go far this year? They'll do better than they did last season. I hope so. Hopefully Aaron Gordon steps up. So, um, what a, okay, in the world of gaming, uh, shout-outs to Rerez. He did a review on PS5 and the um, Xbox Series. I didn't know this, but the PlayStation 5 has like a little platform that is used to prop it on its side and prop it upright. In order to constantly, in order to like switch it from its side to upright, you have to use a screwdriver (laughs) and screw it in the bottom of the plat, screw it in the bottom of the console just to put it upright. As far as the Xbox goes, it's little. It's a little rect. It's pretty much a rectangle. You just put it on its side or put it upright. <laughs> I didn't know that until I saw that video. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Oh my god, that is so funny. And not to mention, if you want to talk about the external hard drive, the 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 hard drives they use. I give credit to Sony because they have more variety, whereas Xbox is very scarce. But wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. In terms external hard drives? Yes. To, no, to put not well to um what I think is internal hard drive. I don't know, like it's like putting a like putting a S a SIM card in or some whatever. That's that's what it that's an internal because it's going in the system, right? Internal is built in. Okay, so I'm, so I was right the first time. External, so we're pu- so he's, they put you're trying to put in more uh, hard drive space in with and, and with with Xbox with Xbox you just stick it in the back. With Sony you have to take off the freaking uh, side part of the console and stick the drive in. So I'm just like Sony's. System is more complicated than I thought it would be, and I think the dogs agree with me because they're barking right now. Murphy's agreeing that he's an Xbox dog. So all I'm just imagining is some stone-out guy. Yeah. Um, attempting to take apart his PS5 with a butter knife. <laughs> a butter knife, a chisel, you know, name it. Yeah, it's like, hey, which one of these things is a flat edge I can use real quick and just try to screw it? Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm imagining in my head. I don't know why. It's, uh... So. That makes it massively inconvenient to me. I'm, I'm lazy. I like my components. If I'm going to buy, if I'm going to spend an absurd amount of money on something, I expect to have all the, the things that I need right there. If I have to do any kind of surgery on my electronics, I don't want it. There you go. <clears throat> well, remember, all these systems now are coming with a one terabyte internal hard drive. Not PS5. They don't offer a one terabyte? No. It's less than that. It's 860 gigs. Jesus. <laughs> Every PS4, every Sony nerd just cried 
right now. So if you guys want to see the video, go on YouTube.com and, and uh, search for Rerez. He does other video game uh, reviews as well. Like, didn't he? Didn't you show me the video where he did like the worst gaming console reviews? Yes, the just... wireless Air sixty. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like every person's rage put onto film on anything, whether it's you're, you're sitting in traffic or somebody didn't get your order right at McDonald's or any minor inconvenience or you stubbed your toe. All of that rage is encompassed in one video and it's so good. I, I love it. And to think, if I haven't, if I hadn't clicked on his Soldier Boy review, I wouldn't have been binge watching all of his stuff. That's how you've been making through, making it through quarantine. Yeah, pretty much. That okay. and watching Harry <laughs> Potter movies. All right. Well, whatever works. Yep. So to close out the gaming series of our uh, pre-show, our our gaming segments, big D. Like WWE 2K20. <laughs> Not that bad. 20 5 Something like that. Oh. But it's so bad and everybody's needs instant gratification now that Sony is offering uh, is offering refunds because people don't like the game because it's too buggy. Why like yeah, it's like just wait for the patches then. But then there'll be times where the patches will be bigger than the game itself. Yeah, exactly. No, I have yet to see something that big. Tony Hawk five. The patch was bigger than the game. I think the biggest patch I've seen was Probably with Fallout 76 when they brought in Wastelanders, when they brought in the NPCs, and that was a 30-gig update on a 75-gig game. Woo! But that's also because it was an almost major hard, uh, major hardware overwrite. Yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, glitches are weird. <laughs> let's, put, let's put it that way. Now, we're going to relate it back to wrestling because we're going to Segway into superstar shoutouts. In terms of wrestling games, uh, name the game that had the most glitches in terms of wrestling besides WWE 2K20 in the past that you've played as a kid. For me, it was WrestleMania. WCW versus NWO. Which one? Uh, two. Oh, Revenge. Yeah. For me, it was WrestleMania 21 because every time they transition from the um, from what from the end of the match to the replay, there would be like a it would slow down and it would buffer. It would buffer on the replay. It would buffer to the winning scene. I'm just like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, 
the, okay. the graphics were great. And then all of a sudden, if you go to the gameplay, you got people floating in midair. You know how the uh, the TV garden in Boston is a uh, smoke-free environment, right? Yeah. Kyrie er, uh, Kyrie makes his return back to the garden Boop. tonight in preseason. Uh-huh. He is walking around the court with Sage, saging up the garden. Yeah. That's not going to fly. No, they let him do it. Oh. There's a big difference between sage smoke and tobacco smoke. That is true. No, but it just says no smoking of any of any type. I think they're talking about tobacco and marijuana. Yeah, sage is an incense. Mm-hmm. But still, I just I'm just saying it's I find it quite funny. Okay. Now let's get to our favorite part of the pre-show, the one you've all been waiting for since it took so long for us to get there, like in every podcast. Shoop, uh, shoop, superstar shoutouts with your host, Madam B. Yay, the one thing I get to do. (laughs) That sounds terrible. You just buried the both of us. When is this? Huh? When is this? It is this Sunday. And there's still tickets available. Yeah, they're probably, yeah, they are general admission in the GA seats, but they always put on a good show and they always try to make sure that everyone has a, a fun time. So, Wickham Park, Melbourne, Florida. Go to eventbrite.com, search us comic, and if there are any tickets left, please go and About the show, right? Yeah, about the show. Mm -hmm. So it was. So I handed in a promo. He said he loved it, and I was uh, posted to the uh, All Things ARW group that they have. Um, So there's that. Also, also, senior mm -hmm. referee Matt Bowman, shout out to you, buddy. Yep. Um, Also put out a promo. The voice of ARW, Greg Allen. Uh, We. He put out a promo as well, um, and that's when we started seeing more of the talent promos, which is, a, again, a thing that we can get into at another time. So, shout-outs to that. Shout-outs also to Destiny, who also put out a very uh, nice promo. Again, you can see on Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling's uh, YouTube channel. It was pretty well thought out, and 
very well done. So I'm super proud of that. Face um, paint warriors. And let's see what it see what else what else what else. I'm sorry, I'm trying to think at the same time. Oh yeah, special shout outs to Cody and Brady Rhodes. They are expecting. Yes, they are. And it's it's kind of a big deal. Some people are saying, oh, he they all he made it all about himself. I'm like, give him a break. He is going to be a dad. Get off his back. That's not. That's yeah. not. This is this is the wrestling business we're talking about. <laughs> they don't get exactly. breaks. They don't get breaks. Yeah, right. I mean, no one, no one gave enough shit when he spilled the beans about about his uh, wife's upcoming pregnancy. Which, by the way, shout outs to him and uh, Miss Renee Paquette. Oh, they are having a girl. And shout so outs. Have, sorry to interrupt. Shout yeah. outs to Renee Young in general. Check her check her uh, podcast out. It's called Oral Sessions. And also shout outs to Rooster Teeth, especially Scorpio Sky on his new podcast, Wrestling with the Week, which will premiere in January. Which we cannot wait for. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, can we just have a very quick moment of silence because Renee just announced what the gender of the Moxley baby is going to be. It's a girl. You repeated yourself. Say what now? You repeated yourself. I did. But, yeah. Um, So let's just have a moment of... A moment of silence for John Moxley? Yeah, so a moment of silence for all the young men that are going to be calling on the young lady Moxley. A moment of silence for their lives. Thank you very much. And let's see. So awesome shout-outs to... And, of course, let's not forget our usual suspects are Reverend of Sin, uh, Rob Risen, our favorite neighborhood boogeyman, Zach Monstar, the opti- the optimistic leader. Did I say that right? Yes. The optimistic leader. Uh, the leader of the optimistic Christian army. Thank you. Christian Miracle, I am so sorry I don't have my notes in front of me, my bad. Um, our wrestling is... Our fellow wrestling historian, Mr. Brian Zane, the the lads of OSW, uh, of course, NoDQ.com with Aaron T. Barrett. Hi. Um, let's see. Deadlock and, course, and New Legacy. Headlock and thank you. Headlock and New Legacy. Deadlock, and not Headlock. <laughs> what did you say? I couldn't hear. Uh, Deadlock. Shoutouts to Deadlocked, Tony Pizza Guy, CM Pulse, and Johnny. And let's not forget our, the, the fine folks over at Figure Four Online, Figure mm. Four Wrestling. Yep. Yep. And that and uh, could you just name that lineup really quick? Sure. Shoutouts to Brian Zane, Vincent Verhai, Craig, and Granny. Yes. As for you, you all have a safe and happy holidays. Take care of yourselves, mask up, and drink your damn water. Jeez. What is with people not drinking their water? Yes, hydrate or dehydrate. There we go. All right, so that will do it for the pre-show. We're going to kick it off with the main card next. Well, we're going to start transitioning over to the main card. Oh, wait, I have one more. What's up? Shout out 
shouts to the legendary Trish Stratus. She is a whopping 45 years young today. Happy birthday! Alright, so let's kick it off with the main card this week in wrestling coming up next. What time is it? Oh my god, we've been over this. I'm sorry. Try again. Can we get another take, please? We're live, pal. Oh, fuck. Oh, okay. Cut sorry. that, and it's in. Shoutouts, Jay Hunter. Uh, what time <laughs> is it? Main card time! There we go. Take two in the books. So, shoutouts to uh, the winners of the cup in New Japan, Gorillas of Destiny, and Super J Cup winner, El Fantasmo. And the remarkable defloofed uh, bad boy, bad guy, good guy, Tamatonga. Yes. Uh, uh, so fresh and so clean, clean, Tamatonga. He looks like a substitute teacher. <laughs> <laughs> he looks old. I thought he looked. I thought he looked old with the facial hair. He looks older without it. Yeah, it, it's weird. I, I don't know how I feel. It's just like that's why I'm saying he looks like a substitute teacher. He looks like he's about to come in, write his name on the chalkboard. Hi, I'm Mr. Tonga. No, when I saw him on TikTok, I'm like, okay, that's Tama Tonga's name, but who the hell is this freaking? Clean shaved, no long hair looking motherfucker. Yeah, he. And then he talked, and I was like, oh shit, that's Tomatonga. He looked like a Boricua for a second. He really does, doesn't he? <laughs> okay, I'm not the only one who saw that. Thank God. Yeah. Freaking uh, Tomachanklo over there. <laughs> Tomachanklo. <laughs> so, let's talk about Triple Mania. That happened uh, December 12th as well. <laughs> so we're just going to go for some so the most noticeable matches. We had the uh, Los Lucha Brothers taking on uh, Miss Tezis Jr. and Octagon Jr. Also taking on uh, Tejano Jr. and Rey Escorpion. We also had Low Cycle Circus defeating Blue Demon Jr., and uh, La Familia Real, the team of L.A. Park and El Hijo del L.A. Park. Yeah, so that was so the whole thing was the main event was supposed to be Blue Demon Jr. versus La Parca. But they teamed together and defeated the club. No. Yeah, yeah, they did. Te- they did team La- together. It was a trios match. La Parca wasn't there. That was L.A. Park. Not okay. La Parca. I know that. The main event was supposed to be Blue Demon Jr. versus La Parca, Mask versus Mask. But La Parca got but, injured. But because La, wait, did, wait, didn't La Parca pass away? I think so. Hold, we're, we're getting. Yeah, he did. yeah, I think he did. Yeah, La he La did Parca. pass away. Cause I remember, yes, La cause last time I saw him, he got injured, and then if in later, and yeah, he did get, he did. I think he. Did. Hold on, hold on, guys, hold on. We gotta, oh, please. Yeah, please hold. Do, do, 
Okay, so not that. <laughs> okay, so the LA Park is the La Parca of WCW. We are talking about the person who replaced him. LA the Parker too. LA Park. No, um, La Parca two passed away. Okay, so it was La Parca 2, not L.A. Park? Yeah, L.A. Park is the original La Parca, but when he um, moved to WCW, I think that's when La Parca 2 took his place, and he became L.A. Park. Okay. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think we're all caught up. But yeah, La Parca 2 passed, so I think that, I think he was supposed to face, face Blue Demon Jr., he was yeah, he was forced to change his name from La Parca to L.A. Park uh, in the in early 2003 when AAA owner Antonio Pena, uh, Pena associated his copyright or asserted his copyright claims to uh, La Parca's character. Okay. Yeah. So the main event turned out to be a hair versus hair match between. Pagano, who I ultimately despise, and Chessman, a guy who I haven't seen in years. Chessman lost. Well, it's because nobody really cares about Chessman. Which sucks, because he was a, he was actually a big deal years ago. Um, we also had a trip. Yes, the AAA Mega Championship did not main event. It was Kenny Omega defeating Laredo Kid. Which was an amazing match. Definitely. And the, um, we had, um, a, we also had a, a lone female match on the card. I, I think that's right. Well, there was the, there's the mixed tag. Yeah, there was a mixed tag and then the singles match. It was, um, Lady Shani taking on Lady Maravilla. Huh. Wasn't that for the Randall Del Rana championship? No, no title, no titles on the line. Huh. huh. Yep. So that was Triple Mania in a nutshell. Uh, uh-huh. Three notable, three noticeable matches from my point of view. Three notable matches. Yeah. Yeah, and not to mention we also had the Nightmare Before TLC, which. You know, drew the 1.52 million viewers, so that sucks for TLC. Not to mention, they they uh, announced the stipulation for the Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt match, a Firefly Funhouse Inferno match. That sounds interesting. Why didn't they announce it on Raw is beyond me. <laughs> uh, reasons. Thank you. So let's get to Wednesday, people. Some yes. things happen in NXT. Tyler Rust and Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know who Tyler Rust is, but he had a memorable match with Tommaso. Not to mention, Austin Theory actually won his first match back against Kushida and Leon Ruff, teaming with his father, Johnny Gargano. Yeah. 
Oof. Okay, so he, uh, Tyler Rust, uh, is more known for his work in PWG, WXW, uh, New Japan, and Ring of Honor, where he wrestled under the ring name Rust Taylor. There we go. Oh. Rust Taylor. He's trained by Hernandez, Rocky Romero, TJP, Cincinnati Red, and Taka Mishinoku. Yeah, my boy. Mishinoku. Taka is coming, motherfucker. Which means which means he has the he has the ability and the right to use the Mishinoku driver. Well, everybody, everybody uses the Mishinoku driver. It angers the crap out of me. It's like everyone using the Canadian Destroyer. Oh, wow. So, You're still mad about that. Yes, I am. Oh, so, breaking news. Here, mm-hmm. The Space Force announced what the service members are going to be called. Spacey's? No. TJ's going to laugh at, or uh, Frosty's going to laugh at this one. What's that? They're going to be called the Guardians. <laughs> nice. Shout-outs to Destiny. Yeah. So, um, on a more sour note, Cameron Grimes will be out of action for four to six weeks due to injury. Yes. See you uh, next year, I Cowboy. That, I read that, too. It, it wasn't for any particular – it wasn't, like, one thing that caused it. It was like a nagging thing that he's just like, I've been kind of waiting and waiting and waiting, and he can't put it off any longer, so. Yeah. So, there's that. We had Tony Storm inter- um, getting interviewed before her match with Rhea Ripley. So, yep. call So, a callback to their NXT UK feud. And, uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that clip where they Tony Storm did like the headbutt of Doom. Yeah. Ouch. We also had a number one contenders match for the NXT Championship: Kyle O'Reilly taking on Pete Dunn. Dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, these two can never have a bad match. No, never. They really can't. They really, really, really can't. Like. What was it? Dunn was trying to go for a bitter end, and then O'Reilly countered in t- into a suplex off the apron to the floor. Ooh, say that again. He countered the bitter end with a suplex off the apron to the floor. That was a joke of say it again five times fast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, O'Reilly won the match, so he's getting another shot at Finn Balor's championship. Please have him win this time. For the love of God. Like, because if he's going to lose again, then what's the point? Pretty much. It's just like, I understand, you know, you want to keep these guys hungry, but on the same token, stop it. Yeah, so that, so that's, that's my take on... Um, on that, because that was a really good match. Um, I, my words can't do it justice. If that spot alone doesn't show you how good this match was, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I don't know what will. 
we also had a <laughs> there's a photo shout out to sportskedia of johnny gargano taking a selfie <laughs> with awesome theory uh, indy hartwell and candice LeRae holding the trophy after after she battered freaking shotzi blackheart yeah they're all sitting there like in, in like christmas card And why does Candace look like she aged 20 years? It's just the angle and the lighting. It's the hair. Oh, or that. It's the makeup. It's the purple hair. Yes, it is everything! So let's talk about, um, not that sound. Let's let's talk about, uh, what the Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley match. Because you said you saw clips of this, so I want your actual take on this um, on this thing here. Go ahead, Batman B. Uh, on, on which match is this now? Because the dog barked. I didn't quite hear. Tony Rhea. Because we. This, could... Speaking of two people who can never, ever, ever have a bad match. Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm are those two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's rare that you ever see it. Yeah. And it's and when it happens, it's just like these are two national treasures. We must protect them with everything we have. Because it, unless something catastrophic happens, these are just two people that just cannot have a bad match. Mm-hmm. Unless, like I said, unless something truly truly horrific happens and even then they try to cover it up the best they can um with with what they have and they they truly even though it's like one's clearly a heel one's clearly a face you, they still have that respect for one another. It's like, we may hate each other, but that does not mean that we don't respect each other as competitors and as professionals. So, I I was very pleased with this. Cool. We also had a squash match, carrying Cross taking on a jobber named Desmond Troy. When the opponent has no entrance, you know he's doomed. <laughs> Yeah, you're screwed. No music, you're screwed. And um, also to end the the uh, numerous highlights, Dexter Loomis was drawing for the better part of this uh, NXT episode. I don't. A very good drawer. I don't get his gimmick. Why is he a babyface? I'm not sure, because but I'm kind of here for it. Because reasons, thank you, Big Daddy. Because I've seen a version of his gimmick in Impact when he was a when he was stalking Christy Hemi. Uh huh. Now, like physically, he's the same guy, same appearance, but now he's drawing. Uh huh. Okay, weird. Speaking of weird, let's get to AEW. Yep. Tag Team Ahoy. If you guys love tag team matches, you'll love this episode. If you guys hate tag team matches, you'll hate this episode. Yes. Because... You get a tag team. You get a tag team. 
Everybody gets a tag team. Was yeah. Teddy Long booking this? What happened? Well, Undertaker oh. wasn't on here, but Sting was, so, you know. <laughs> what a fair trade. We had a Hangman Page and Dark and um, Alex Reynolds and freaking Josh Silver with their woody hats and freaking cowboy gear. That was hilarious. So hilarious. I want that custom Dark Order trench coat now, please. <laughs> I want it sent to my apartment, uh, sent to my Fortress of Solitude, stat. And if I don't get it before New Year's Eve, I'm going to complain to Mr. Brody Lee. You, you, will you join the Dark Order just to get it? No. <laughs> I'm not allowed. Frosty um, is the Dark Order. No, I'm Frost. I'm white, so I can't be the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I was about to say we're not talking about race, so don't go there, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Matt Hardy and Private Party. Matt Hardy's been um, on the verge of turning heel, as he's kind of done in this match when, after Private Party hit the gin and juice on Reynolds, Hardy tacked himself in and got the pin. <laughs> Which we will, which we also saw in the six-man match. Well, no, the twelve-man match with um, good grief, there are so many people here. We had the best friends, Varsity Blondes, and Top Flight taking on Inner Circle, Santana, Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, MJF, and Chris Jericho. I like Top Flight. I like Varsity Blondes. I'm not a fan of Best Friends anymore. After seeing those two tag teams, they practically outshone, outshone the Best Friends. Yeah. Especially Top Flight. Good grief. Um, but yes, MJF tagged himself in and got the pinnels. I'm just like, we saw this. With the opening match, the quote V1 from OSW, damn it, D-Lo. Yep. So we had a promo. Uh, we actually we actually had a vignette. Sorry, not a promo. A vignette of um, the Rhodes family. They get a little message saying that they're expecting, and on freaking um, Pharaoh's collar, it says what? Baby security. Yes. And So up next we had Cody Rose taking on Angelico and damn you and your swag, Angelico. Uh, why? What happened? Have you not seen what he does every time he comes to the ring? He dances to the to the his entrance theme. Oh yeah, I've noticed that. Yes. Damn you, Angelico. So, um, he had a good match with Cody Rhodes, actually. And, you know, Angelico's always been a, a good talent. I just don't like Jack Evans. I think he's just, if you take the flippy shit away from him, he's nothing. Yeah, pretty much. And then we had a Serena Deeb and Big Swole tag team match taking on Ivelisse and Diamante. Nobody cared about this match. It was obvious. Um... um 
Oh, I almost forgot the post match. We had um freaking Team Taz come out, um, running down Cody Ro- Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen, who was in the stands. All of a sudden, Sting comes out, gives a wink to Cody, and walks back. So they're getting good use of him, cause Sting, when he's not talking, is iconic. Yes. It's the subtlety. We had SEU taking on the Acclaim, or as I like to say, the Basic Thugonomics Tag Team. Uh-huh. If you guys don't know the reference, it's because John Cena, you know, Basic Thugonomics, he came out freestyling on his opponents. That's what the Acclaim does. Yeah. And so Frankie Kazarian battled back with his own version of rapping to the Acclaim. Like that. The Acclaim won. They challenged um, the Young Bucks to a title match, which will be happening next week. We also had a promo from Miro talking, um, saying that they're going to announce the wedding date next week. We also had Eddie Kingston call, um, talking about his enemies, and then his enemies showed up, like Lance Archer. And um, Triangle de la Muerte, Triangle of Death, or Death Triangle. So, yes, Lance Archer is turning babyface, or he's just babyface in this scenario. It's quite weird. Very strange. Yeah. And the main event, you had the World Titer, World Titer, World Title Eliminator match. Joey Janela with Sunny Kiss taking on Kenny Omega with Don Callis. Don Callis has a has a live mic for commentary. It is hilarious, and Joey Janela in this match. This this further proves my point of Joey Janela not being ready for main screen television. If you see this match, his selling. His bumping, I'm just like, why? Why do you suck tonight? Like, I just it's felt like you... one of those things you tell yourself, it can't get any worse. I'm just like... Joey's jo- like, hold my beer. I'm just like, Joey, you... I think you're better than this, dude. Because, <laughs> like, it just... I don't know. It just... The match did not gel at all, but... Kenny Omega was doing really well. It's just Joey Janela, he took me out of this match. I'm sorry. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of. I haven't been a fan of his work since he's been since he's been part of AEW. Like after like like after that hardcore match at Fallout of 2019, he's done nothing Besides being a part of a half-ass tag team with Sonny Kiss. Yep, I mean, pretty much. It's just like, he had a good, a decent match where he was basically the ragdoll punching bag for John Moxley this year, and that's it. Yeah. So. So that was, uh, well, we forgot about um, the promo that Pac cut saying that Phoenix is owed a title match and he will be getting said title match because he won his tournament match, but he was injured, so he never got defeated. 
So he's getting That's a title bad. match at the Holiday Bash, which is next week, and that closes out the show. So, um, yeah, a meh AEW show for the most part. Which is part of the course for this time of year. Yeah, let's talk about the viewership numbers since you brought that up. Yes. 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 Shout out to NoDQ. AEW won this week's Wednesday night viewership battle with 806,000. 0.32 in the 18 to 49 demographic and finished third for the night on cable. Nice. This week's NXT drew 766, ooh, with point nineteen in the 18-49 demographic, oof, and finished 34th for the night on cable. Bigger oof. Yep. But NXT did climb up, and AEW did go down in viewers, so... You decide. But to me, NXT, hands down, was the better show this week. Because AEW was just phoning it in. Yep. And the only kick you'll probably get out of AEW is their um, their reenactment of a Christmas story. Oh my goodness. <laughs> did you see this? I did not. How was it? It is so funny. Freaking Jericho. You know that scene when Ralphie was on Santa Claus's lap saying you wanted an air, air rifle? A Red Rider BB gun. Yes. Guess who's playing Ralphie? Uh, MJF? Yes, you are correct. Oh my god. <laughs> I need to see this now. Check it on YouTube. So, uh, oh my god. That is it for the main card. Big D, are you still alive? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Okay. What did you What did you think about this um, this Wednesday? Eh, it kind of sucked all around, so not gonna lie. Wow. Oh, not to mention, um, we also got to talk about NWA. Um, they have a new series called Shockwave. You can catch that on YouTube. So if you guys still want to watch NWA, you still can. And also shout-outs to Ben Carter, who is officially signed with NXT UK. Ooh, nice. So good for him. And um, thoughts and prayers go to superstar Billy Graham, who's recently been hospitalized again. Which is, Ah. you know, it's very sad. Because he's been dealing with a lot of health issues. Poor guy. Hope he comes out of it okay. Yeah, um, thoughts and prayers to him and his wife, and his wife uh, Valerie. So, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes it for the main card. Uh-huh. And we will be right back with our main event, which buckle up, Buttercup, because as you say, this is gonna hurt. Uh-huh. You've been warned. It is time once again for your main event of the evening. (gasps) Main event, main event, main event, main event. It's all about the main and how you play it. It's all about the vent if you can take it. Uh, 
Shoutouts to Motorhead. Rest in peace, Lenny. Um, so, we are going to have ourselves a little bit of debate. Yes, we are. Uh-oh. Boy, I'll tell you what. I cannot wait for the WAO debate, and it starts right now. So, um, there's been a lot of back and forth in wrestling over the years. Whereas, you know, you have old fans taking on new fans, foreshadowing to what's to come in our podcast. Because <laughs> I have some exciting funny. news. Um, but yes, old fans versus new fans, you know, like a- pretty much AEW has shooken up the business, the wrestling industry, in both good and bad. Good because you get an alternative. Bad because... You have older fans, you know, clinging on to the good days of what wrestling used to be. The golden era. Yes. So, let's talk about the difference of um, eras. This will be a prequel to our um, up-and-coming series on our show. So, Madam B and Big Daddy, said Box Squad... When you look at the golden age of wrestling, we're talking 1980s, what stood out to you the most in terms of characters, uh, talent, as well as just the overall atmosphere of wrestling? Larger than life characters, the absolute giants and steroids. Now, do you think steroid? Do you think because people are off the juice that we don't see a lot of quote unquote big men anymore in modern day wrestling? No, I think it's because uh, wrestling has evolved to more of an athletic sport than a brawler's sport, where the average slash casual fan doesn't want to see doesn't want to see the absolute six foot nine 295 300 pound eight percent body fat giants they want to see the five foot nine string beans who can do a 1080 off the top rope and hit it once every three times because oh that looks so cool. Now, question for you. Do you think it's been oversaturating the market, though? The flippies? Yes, absolutely. Madam B, do you have a rebuttal? Um, no, I don't have a rebuttal because I agree. The problem is, is that a lot of indie wrestling fans, they just can't sit. They get bored very easily they can't I, think I think the the or just wrestling fans in general they get bored very easily i think uh daniel bryan said it best in his uh when he had his heel run with the hemp belt um that wrestling fans are fickle and he's 110 percent correct we the wrestling fans can be very very fickle especially in the days of social media Ooh, hmm. They always want bigger, better, bloodier, 
longer or not as long. And it kind of takes away from the fundam- fundamentals. <laughs> Words are hard. Uh, fundamentals of what makes a great wrestling match. And I, and I do agree that there that in coming away from the the days of the of the golden age of you know God bring me down a wrestler and it's the six foot seven, two hundred fifty pound or three hundred pounds of pure muscle, mostly because people gravitate towards things that they can relate to. Like they can relate to the five foot nine guy who could do flippies. Why? Because that guy looks like me or that guy looks like a friend I know. But the whole point of professional wrestling was that it was an absolute sideshow. You had these freaks of nature. Let's face it, that's what they were. Now, question. Absolute freaks of nature. That is true. But I think you're going more into the realms of WWE when you're talking about big men. Because I'm talking before WWE. I'm talking NWA, AWA, okay. TWA. Let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about NWA, TWA, WCCA. Let's talk about those because I agree with you. There were a lot of larger-than-life characters and wrestlers, but not a lot of them were giants, especially in the NWA. They were like six foot two, six foot three, but they were like grown men sized, you know, two thirty to two sixty. So I agree with you on that. They were a lot bigger in size, but I wouldn't say yeah, they were but, necessarily tall, but because the, the tall men were always the attractions, like Andre the Giant, you know, Ernie Ladd, Big John Stud. Those type of people, they're they're more of a, of an attraction. Yeah, but then you take into effect the guys like Ric Flair and Sting, who are quote average size. They're they're big the now. They're they will they will be considered big men now, and 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 they will be considered big men now. Sting at six foot three, two sixty would be considered a a um, a hoss in today's era. Because yeah, look, sorry, take back, a back sorry, sorry to interrupt again, but take a look at Billy Gunn. Prime example, Billy Gunn, six foot four, two fifty, ten percent body fat, right? Right. So in in the um he wasn't around in the golden era, but in the nineties, the guy he was kind of tall, but not real. He wasn't the tallest guy in the room, is what I'm trying to say. Look yeah, at him in AEW. Oh, I'm, I'm saying back then, back when we're, I'm still in the back then. Okay. They they were average men. True. What they lacked in size and stature, they made up for in character. In work ethic. Well, look at Ric Flair, the average man who led in uh, larger than life persona. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he did. He he lacked stature, so he decided to make this Playboy esque character that thirty years from then has landed him twice in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 
because it's like if you don't have the look or the physique, you better learn how to work. And that's what Ric Flair did. He learned how to work his gimmick and he learned how to work in the ring. Now, another question for you for you, too. Do you think it's because of the contributions of Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, don't forget about him, that you saw more workhorses come into the field like Bret Hart, Roddy Piper, Greg DeHammer, Valentine, um, I'm sorry if I'm going out of timeline here, uh, Shawn Michaels, those type of people? I'm okay with workhorses because the people you just named off, yes, they are workhorses, but they also have larger than life characters but do you think it's because the contributions of those quote-unquote average men in the past yes and no because randy savage was also also had an average body type that back uh if we're going if we're going by wrestlers in the 80s true you know, the Randy Savages, the Ricky Steamboats, the Ric Flairs, the uh, Greg the Hammer Valentines, the Roddy Pipers, you know, six, uh, six foot to six foot two, 230 to 250. Uh, Tito Santana, don't forget about him. Ricky Martel, you know, those guys don't could work. about Dusty Rhodes. Du- well, Dusty Rhodes is it, Dusty Rhodes is in a field of its own. We're going to get to Dusty Rhodes, but because okay. Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk, they're in two different fields. We're talking about workhorses. These guys can go hour-long matches, you know, time limit draws. Do you th- now? Because because um, do you think it's because of those guys that you saw Bret Hart, um, Shawn Michaels, and I know I we don't like to bring up his name, Chris Benoit were six were successful in the wrestling business do you think it's because of those guys absolutely i i'm in agreement there because there you can't find a wrestler from when we were watching in the attitude era to present day that could not point to ricky steamboat um and rick flair and all those guys that you mentioned previous because of their larger-than-life characters. And again, it's going back to the whole thing of, okay, they're relatable. Mm-hmm. It's like, this guy is my height, my weight. I'm, I'm told I'm too small or I don't have the physique. How did this guy get over, and what, what can I do to get over with the crowd the same way? Or something along that lines, but, excuse me, but different. All right. So, so I mean, it's it's the kind of the same thing of like, do I let my technical prowess speak for itself, or do I get a character, or do I combine the two? So it's that's true. It's something. So it's just it's 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 a formula, and it's basically balancing everything out and make sure that the formula works. Now you mentioned Dusty Rhodes, uh, the common man, and and how he put his character over. He wasn't a technician by any means, but he was one hell of a showman and know how and knew how to work the crowd. Uh-huh. And if you ask me, I think he is the sole purpose of he he is 
the godfather of people who don't does don't really look physically impressive at all can't really work like the technicians but because of their character and how relatable they are uh-huh have been larger than life like i t- like guys similar to how dusty Ro- how dusty rose have been portrayed in his career to me and you might disagree mick foley if you add him and Terry Funk, because Terry Funk is another guy. Yeah, he's he's a bit more technically sound, but his character got him over and his selling. Terry Funk arguably is one of the best sellers in wrestling history. I mean, the man can sell ice in, in the middle of winter in Montreal. I mean, that's how good his selling is. So I think it, it's the contributions of both guys that we probably saw a guy like Mick Foley succeed. As well as he did. Uh-huh. And who was another one that was maybe not so technically sound, but had such a great character? Um, one could even say that the Sandman. True. Sandman. Not technically, not a technically gifted wrestler at all. No. Not, not particularly... You know, his matches were not exactly the world's greatest, but the man had a fucking relatable character and he could cut a promo. Well, he could. I don't, I don't know if he can cut a promo, but he was very popular with his because he performed his gimmick so well. Yes. To the point where it got him over. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you on that. And you can probably yeah like 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 I said before Mick Foley, um like but they're they're very few and far between to be honest with you. That's true. It's like um I remember Jim Ross saying it on um God the Jeff Hardy DVD he did back in two thousand eight the the one that Jeff Hardy did back in two thousand eight. He said it. Uh, Jim Ross said it best, which is, you either have it or you don't have it. And, like, no one can pin down what that it thing is. No one can, no one's been able to formulate it. No one's been able to quantify it. I'm pretty sure if they were able to figure, figure out how to do that, they would bottle it and it would sell. But no one, it's just... It's like when you see it, you know it. It's right. There's no other way to describe it. Yeah, it's it's the it's what makes it's what makes them stand out. It's what makes it what makes casual Joe Schmoes off the street turn around, look at the television screen, see that guy, and go, "I want to watch him live," or "I want to watch her live." I want to pay money to see. This person, live and in living color. Yes. It's like, you know, you see them, and something about them just gravitates you to them. It's like a fucking tractor beam. You can't... And you can't... And that's something that's just not taught. You either have it or you don't. Now let's talk about the top stars over the years who were top guys, and you can debate whether or not they had it. Starting with Ric Flair. Yes. Yep. 
Not even up for debate. The man had it. Hulk Hogan. Still does. Yes. I think that's the only reason why he's as big a name as he is now is because he had it. Yeah, I mean he wasn't the. I mean he wasn't a technician at all, but he knew how to work. And the whole thing is, is like even to people who never watched wrestling, they know who Hulk Hogan is. Yes, because he's he 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 um he transcended into pop culture. He was the first rest first professional wrestler to truly be a cross platform person. Agreed. Yep. Um, Dusty Rhodes. Absolutely. When he, well, let me rephrase that. When he started the common man gimmick. Yes. Cause earlier, earlier on, when he was the tag team with uh, Ray Stevens, when he was a heel, I mean, he was good, but it wasn't until like late seventies to early eighties, like you said, with the common man gimmick, that he started getting really over. Well, it's like. It's just like the Undertaker, for instance. He he sucked. He really sucked in some aspects of his gimmick when he did a quote refresher train refresher change. When he evolved. Yeah, when he like for um the uh oh god not the nation. The ministry. The ministry. Yeah, when he uh, when he had that whole uh, weird faction. It's the corporate ministry. Yeah, the ministry. Yeah. I did not like that at all. Nobody liked it because he wasn't the main guy. It was Shane Mc. It was the McMahons. He was a side piece. <laughs> Pretty much, it was. It was so. That was terrible. It was and awful. It was just so. It didn't. I mean, no. Don't get me wrong. The storylines that that he was involved in at that time mm-hmm. were really, really good. But it was so. Towards the end of it, I'm so glad that they kind of put it away yeah. because it became too convoluted in the end. It the, was just like, okay, what are we doing? The only person that benefited from it was Triple H. And Austin. Austin didn't benefit from it at all. Oh really? No. Oh wait a minute! I'm just thinking the just the ministry. I was talking. Yeah, I'm talking about the faction itself. I'm talking about the ministry faction itself. Who was in? Yeah. Who? Because Triple H was part of the corporate ministry, and I think he became more of the Triple H we know we know now because of that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, D was over in DX, but he started getting but his heelish side came out in the corporate ministry especially when he started his feud with the rock but that's we're going too far off um you mentioned undertaker did he have it that's a fucking movie oh yeah the man knew how to how that he knew that evolution meant longevity so when you you, taking it up when your debut Creates arguably one of the top ten greatest sound bites in professional wrestling history. With look at the size of those ham hocks. Yeah, that's true. You know you've done something right. Alright. Now let's get with something a bit more controversial. Bret Hart. No. He had it until you put a microphone in front of his face. Agreed. 
that, he was a, he was a sincere guy, but to me his promos were never strong. But what got him over was how over he got with selling. Like, like in ring, he is absolutely fantastic. He's not smooth at all, but he's a great technical wrestler, and he knows how to work and manipulate body parts to where you think it's real. And the way he sells, he makes a fight look real. Uh-huh. And that's why I say he didn't have it, because that whole it factor is, to me, is everything combined. Right. Now, question. Yeah. Now, question. Sorry to interrupt again, but another question for you. Uh, wait, sorry. Finish your point, then I'll ask the question. Because to me, you take the mic away from him or even some of the other wrestlers on this uh, this list, and they're freaking amazing people, but they just don't have mic skills, which means they just don't have it. Undertaker didn't have mic skills, and he had it. <laughs> yeah, right. But Undertaker had somebody talking for him 80% of his career. That's true. But if we're talking about it, it's more than just promos. Like you said, it's, it's the... Like what, what Madam B said, it's, the, it's a combination. There's a combination yes. in play. And also the thing, the thing that bugged me... Uh, and again, this is like completely in retrospect, hindsight always being 2020. The man did not he understood the wrestling portion of it he understood the sport portion of it okay mm-hmm. he however the entertainment part he took it way too seriously to be entertaining does that make sense at all he was too stoic but Thank you. but at the same time he couldn't really portray Anything he couldn't really do anything out of the box until he became big evil. I, I was talking about Bret Hart. Oh, Bret Hart. Yeah, Bret. Yeah, Bret Hart was stoic in a bad part. He took he he took the sport of wrestling too seriously to the point where he couldn't even create a gimmick. Well, can we say that that was almost everybody that was a product of the dungeon? Well, not Owen Hart. Owen Hart got it more. Owen Hart was a better promo than Bret. Uh, that's why I said Owen. almost everybody. <laughs> okay, I was Owen about, had it. Yeah, Owen. Oh, to me, Owen had it. The only problem was was Brett, because Brett was the better wrestler. Now, if you combined Owen and Brett Hart, then that combination had it. Absolutely. Agreed. So, and um. Yeah, shout-outs to Anvil, because he had a great gimmick. Um, Now, here's something interesting, guys. We say Bret Hart doesn't have it. Does Shawn Michaels have it? Oh, yes. In spades. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be mad, but here's the thing. Shawn Michaels could could not only wrestle like Bret Hart, he also had a great gimmick. He could also cut promos. Shawn Michaels, with the exception of his size, was the total package of what a wrestler should have been. Exactly. He had he had evolution to his character. He had longevity. He had the move set. He had. And he was so smooth. Oh my gosh. 
he well, had. Let's, let's be truthful. The reason why he had longevity and the evolution of character. Politics. Look at the people he had beside him. Politics. We're going to talk well, about just, politics not later. Just, not just politics, but look at the people he had beside him. He went from having um, his Hollywood blonde tag team partner. No, no, no. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, we're not talking about Brian Pillman. Um, yeah, Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty. So you, you have Marty Jannetty, and they were okay until the barbershop set where he put Jannetty through the freaking window. Uh, that catapulted him because it's like, crap, this guy means business. Yep. And then later down the line, he gets... Um, the Intercontinental uh, title. Sensational Sherry. It, no, at, at first, I thought at first it was Luna. No, it was Sherry. It was Sherry then Luna. Oh yeah, that's right. My bad. Oh yeah, cause because uh, Sherry uh, performed his theme music. Yes. So it was Sherry then Luna. And then and he went solo. He broke off for a little bit and kind of went MIA while he was dealing with some things. Well, yeah, that was after his Intercontinental title push. And then he came and, back. And then he had Diesel. Yep. Then he had Trip. Well, we're going a bit far into the future. You, you, for, you, we cannot forget that moment in time when he replaced Diesel with Sid. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I, but after Sid, he had Trip. And then he kind of stuck with Trip, and then they created DX. the second greatest faction in the history of professional wrestling. Okay. That's me. All right. All right. Cool. Now, um, since okay, since you brought since we brought up Triple H, did he have it? He didn't have it. He created it. Good. That's a good answer. Because I agree. I agree. Because it took Triple H. Yeah, his evolution into his cerebral assassin gimmick made him have it. I mean, no pun intended with evolution. Yeah. I mean, you could arguably you could say the same thing with Steve Austin. Because Steve Austin didn't have it until he became Stone Cold. Again, I agree. It, to me, it was he got it when the restraints were taken off in ECW and they let him cut the promo of a lifetime. That is true. <laughs> that is true. You want to see the you want to see the prologue of Stone? Is that right, Madam B? The prologue of Steve Austin's book? Yes. Yes. Watch ECW. Oh my God! His promos in ECW are are they're absolutely legendary. Mm-hmm. Now we can't talk about Steve Austin without The Rock. Did The Rock have it? No, not until it, well. Again, it's a he created it when he cut his hair. To me, he created it when he joined the Nation. Exactly when he be, when he went from Rocky to The Rock, that's when it formed. Yeah. Oh, when he went from Rocky Johnson or uh, Rocky Maivia to Rock. Yes. When when he started his first, The Rock says, 
you know, that was when his, and you know, it's so funny when we say that they created it, uh, this just popped into my head. When their when their it was created was when their last fuck was given. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I yeah, because it all started with like them going into shoot mode. Pretty much, it's like when their last fuck was given. That's when their it was created, and it was just attitude era. Mm. So. Delicious. In, okay, we're, let's go to some more modern wrestlers since we talked. I've got one for you. Okay, go. Okay. John Cena. Well, I was going to save that one, but to me... Okay, if you want to save it, then we'll do it later. All right, Goldberg. No. No. I disagree. Well, let me phrase that. He had it in WCW. He didn't have it in WWF. Okay, there we go. Um... But we're talking about, but yes, if we're talking about first impressions, I mean, the dude had it. He well, had it in droves. He's a freaking football player. Well, not to mention, like you, like you said, to to me, it was just you know his impact, his size, his his character. He he came off as a megastar when he wasn't even champion yet. He came off as a badass dude that you want to see squash people. Again, it comes down to the larger-than-life persona. Yeah, and that's what Goldberg had. Now, speaking of larger-than-life, Brock Lesnar. Um, Catch-22. Explain. Uh, uh, he, he has half of it, but doesn't have all of it. Uh, Madam B, do you agree or disagree? I don't think he had it at all. Really? I really... No. I mean, at first, he had... It seemed like he had it because he was like a modern-day Goldberg. Right. this monster. Right. But, I guess after his more recent comeback... Yeah. And his reign of terror, his it kind of got lost on me. When he was just walking around with the belt with that cocky smile, I just wanted to punch him in the face. But <laughs> yeah, he maybe, it, it maybe got it's just him working well as a heel. I don't know, but it's like I'm not even sure if he even had it. To me, bro- he did. He, he like to me, he had it when he made his return back from UFC. Mm. Oh. It's a hard one to pin. To me, if you're talking early Brock, he had it the moment he showed up and destroyed Al Snow and Maven and Spike Dudley and Rikishi and all those jobbers. Yeah, but, but if we're talking about his comeback, he lost my it. Thing is, is he his comeback, he lost it. Well, like that goes with a lot of people in, on this list that we aforementioned. Like Taker, like Goldberg, they weren't strong on the mic, but they had it in other ways. But although, again, Brock Lesnar has given us some of the greatest sound bites in WWE. There we go. See you breaking the ring. Now let's talk about Big Show. Did he have it? 
He had it. Thank you. Lost it. Yeah, he lost but, it. He lost it after he kept turning. But then again, it goes to the evolution of character. To me, he had it until he joined the until um he just got into shenanigans with Dungeon of Doom. Yes. And in WWE, he had it before he joined Taker and started turning all the freaking time. Yeah, he's he's the definition of a heads or tail man. Yeah. He flips a coin. He flips a coin that week. What am I going to be on Raw? Oh, looks like I'm a heel. Now oh, looks like I'm a head. Uh, face tonight. We're going Giants. Talk about Kane. Did he have it? Yes. To me, it's Homeboy had it. Until he lost the mask. Thank you. We we are, are you in agreement, Big Daddy? Yes and no. Oh gosh. Well, here's here's my reasoning why. Okay. Yeah, I agree with the up until he had the mask. I disagree, and then I agree. I agree. I disagree because when he became corporate, when he became corporate, Kane, we saw a completely different side of him. That's we true. You finally started to see that turmoil of, I love doing bad things, but I'm doing bad things for the wrong person. We're doing bad things with a smile. Um, that's fine. Uh, uh, corporate Kane, I had no issue with is when he lost the mask the first time. Yeah. And then he the, the, in that weird ass creepy storyline with Lita. Yeah, that. That's what I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, Freaking okay. To, to those of you who just wants who wants that whole thing that Madden B said in a nutshell, just listen to this. SummerSlam 2004. Till death do us part, Lita marries the winner match, Matt Hardy versus Kane. Think of everything I just said because this actually happened. This is 100% fucking Oh my gosh. Okay, so yeah, that I agree, madam. I agree with you, madam B. I, when he had the mask, he was he was king, but when he lost that mask, he was just garbage. Yeah, and I mean And then there there was that weird ass resurgence of he came back with the mask. Yeah. He lost the mask again. <laughs> he became corporate Kane and then he got the mask back. It's like, "Oh, can we pick one, please?" Yeah, coin flip. Now, speaking of quote-unquote evolution of characters, we got to bring up Randy Orton and Batista. Randy Orton, absolutely. Batista, no. Batista had it until he retired. Randy Orton evolved into it. I'm even debating on whether or not he even had it to begin with. Why? Because of his matches? But it's just because evolution-wise, he went from the the next golden star, you know, young Randy Orton with, you know, in evolution, to mm-hmm. legacy, to just then becoming the apex predator, and that's where he's at. To me, he had it when he became the legend killer. And he kind of died down his it, but then his it evolved when he became the Viper. Agreed. I love, like, when he was the golden child and he was living off of the Orton family name, he was doing 
he was the epitome of what a second generation wrestler was. David oh, Flair. My daddy, my or technically for him, it's a third generation. Yep. Oh, my no, it, it my is. Daddy this, so I need to be here. And then he realized, oh shit, I gotta work my ass off because I'm defending the family name. Yeah, I mean to and me. And now I gotta work twice as hard because people think I just bought my spot. Well, to no, me, well, true. well, let's 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 be honest here. Randy Orton surpasses his father. Oh, that's what I was going to say was through his hard work and evolution of character traits. Let's face it. Randy Orton has never really evolved his character. He's always been Randy Orton. What he's done is he's they when they've told him, hey, you're done with this feud. You're going to go face for a little bit. Here's what you got. And then, okay, cool. It's not working. You're going back to a heel. You're going to become the legend killer. We're going to start throwing to these old timers. Kill them. Um, Hypothetically speaking. How does that relate to what I just said? I mean, it's a valid point, but how does that relate to what I was saying earlier? Well, I was I was trying to – I was mainly re- or explaining my, uh, my affirmating statement of evolution of character. True. I mean, his only evolution of character is when he became a viper and started using a punt. Yeah. Um, now let's get to John Cena. He had it when he became the basic thugonomics. Then his it soured when he became C-Nation. Soured even more when he became Mr. Part- Reality Show Dude. Mr. Part Timer. <laughs> That's when he lost it. I agree. He lost it with Part Time Cena. Yeah, but his his thumb his thug like from 2003 to 2006, I think that was Prime John in my opinion. Oh, straight thugonomics. Thugonomics to the early part of him, uh, of the crowds turning on him, because yeah, the car, because the, the crowd started turning on him when they saw him too much, and they saw him against internet darlings like Christian and Chris Jericho, which will be another topic we will get to. I I also think that just I think when when his initial first when the when his first marriage went down into it went down in flames mm. i think that's when the veneer that's when the the shine kind of wore off on him a little bit and mm. i think that's what he's when he really started losing it because everyone's like oh he's mr abc but we find out he's doing a lot more than just the alphabet out here you oh, know, 20, what's going on, john? oh yeah 2012 john when he was on a losing streak <laughs> Pretty much. It was just like, well, and also, you know, when his, you know, first marriage ended and then there are all these uh, rumors about affairs and whatnot, which, you know, that's between him and God. I'm, I don't care, but it's on the same token. It's just like, you can't sit there and be Mr. Hustle, loyalty and respect when your personal life is on the, is pretty much a dumpster fire. So, um, you know, 
In today's age, yes, but let's go back to eat your vitamins, say your prayers, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he's the culprit of main affairs. <laughs> let's go. Let's. And? But, but then again, though, if if we had no so, if they were able to keep kayfabe kayfabe. Oh my gosh. John Cena would still be absolutely one hundred percent relevant right now. So, um, we are spoiling our actual main topic, but let's let's finish off the it factors with um, since we're talking, we're mainly talking about WWE, the Shield. Who had it? Seth freaking Rollins. Seth Rollins had it. Dean Ambrose had it. Dean Ambrose did not have it until after the Shield. Okay. Dean what? Ambrose can actually talk. Well, this is this is Big Daddy's opinion. Madam B, you have your opinion. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, Roman had it until he started talking. That's what I was going to say. Seth Rollins evolved into it with his character change. Dean Ambrose, and I agree with Big D, he never had it in the E. Never. Mm-hmm. Not in his promos, not in his work ethic, nothing. Does he have it now? Absolutely. Yes, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Because again, again, going back to chains are off. Before the last fuck left. Yes, chains are off. Yep. It, it's so funny when the last fuck leaves the building. That's when the it just kind of comes in back and stands. Okay, let's get to some honorable mentions of who had it. Um, I think uh-huh. I think Ryback had it until he faced CM Punk. Yes. Rikishi. Rikishi had it? He had the ass. Is that it? <laughs> no, no. To me, Rikishi had it. He had great in-ring presence. He had a larger-than-life character. He could talk, and he was also relatable to the fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- yeah, when he was Rikishi, uh, he, he had a better chance of getting it than make a different spot, too. Yeah, because when he because when he was fought too, he didn't have it. He had shit. He didn't have it. <laughs> and when he even when he was the bad man, he was like oh god, losing his it a little bit. Oh he god, losing it a little bit. Yeah, we, we should have a who is it and who is shit like. Oh my god. Yes. Um Hangman Page had it for a short while and then it just died. Yeah. Um Lance Archer still has it to me. I just think he, he should be pushed better. Yeah, I was just gonna say, is like does he really have it or is it just a booking problem? It's, I don't to know. me it's a booking problem because it's hard to like, like to me, it's hard to mess up the it factor of one Lance Archer. He just beats the crap out of people. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, unless he gets tased a la Goldberg. Um, Brian Cage is a weird phenomenon, isn't he? 
He has it depending on what promotion you talk about. Yes, do not put a mic to his mouth for the love of God. He has it until he talks. Thank you. No well. He had it, say like Lucha Underground. He had it in Lucha Underground because... And he had a mic to him. It's just when you let him talk the way he wants to talk... It's great. When you put a script in front of him, he sucks. There was uh, no script in AEW, and he sucked on the mic. That's <laughs> why he has a mouthpiece now. All right. Now, my favorite, Ricky Starks. Oh, homeboy's got it in Wait, wait, wait. He didn't have it until he got to AEW and was paired with has. Okay. Um, I respectfully disagree. He had it in NWA too. Yeah, so I. He's a, he's a, to me, he's a great worker. Uh huh. He lacks in-ring presence, but he makes up for that in technicality. But do I see him ten years down the line being a major title holder? And I'm not talking like the TNT title. I'm talking world. the AEW World Heavyweight Champion or the NWA 10 Pounds of Glory or the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Absolutely not. Mm. I see him more as a faction special, high-flying... Honestly, and this is where I disagree with both of you. I think that he has it now because of the time. Everybody else we've talked about on this list and who has said that in spades they have it, their character, persona, and individuality um, can be cross-generational. Ricky Stark, to me, is not cross-generational. Well, yeah, because Ricky Starks is a representation of your... Your of your of um your typical uh, heel, but the th- the only thing the only to, like to me I I to, in my opinion he started to get it in NWA and I think his career in NWA is a representation of what his career is going to be, which is upper mid card. I don't see him as a main event guy, but I do see him as a upper mid card kind of flirting with the main event, maybe a two month run. In the main event, then back to the mid card, kind of like the Miz, which is not a bad spot to be if you're talking upper mid card, because Miz is actually a solid upper mid carder until he, until now. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, right. it, but yeah, he's he has it now. Hopefully, he can hold on to it. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, like like Darby Allen. To me, Darby Allen didn't have it until I saw more of him. So let's see if he can hold on to it now. Yeah, I think I'm the same way as like I I saw him in the MLW and I knew he had it then and he still has it now. I'm I just get concerned. I get kind of like a I kind of become like a, a mother hen, if you will. I'm just like, could you not do that? You know, or, you know, some of some of his spots have been kind of cringeworthy. And that's just simply because I just do not want anything bad to happen to him. Yeah. 
Um, Chris Jericho had... No, Chris Jericho didn't have it at all in his early years. He had it in WCW. He had a lot of it in WWE. He had it in New Japan. And then in AEW, it went from it to shit. Yes. Yeah. Accurate. And... It went from it went from it to when he started AEW. It there was it when he got that stupid fucking faction. It went to shit. Thank you. Thank and it's you. Like, I understand why he wanted the inner circle. He's he's in the twilight of his career. His whole thing is let's let's bring these other stars who would not have a chance anywhere else, and let's bring them to a main stage platform. Uh-huh. So, the problem with what you just said, and I mean this with no disrespect, outside of Hager, uh-huh. you've got the Bodiquas who can main event, event who can main event any company as a tag team. Uh-huh. You're not wrong. And you have Sammy Guevara who out of all the young up-and-comers in that roster has the potential of being a world champion. I respectfully respectfully disagree, but go ahead. That's me. I think that what he's doing is amazing. It's not that he's trying to surround himself with people who cannot or won't be able to headline other promotions. Uh Uh-huh. It's just that he's gotten to the point where it's the, hey, let me take my knowledge and give it to the young, no, no pun intended, but the young bucks. Yeah, that's what that's what Jericho's doing right now. He's more he's more of the mentor role. But you mentioned Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara, to me, he was, you know, the comp, he was like a, you know, your, your, your um, chicken shit heel until I saw MJF. And that made me change my views on Sammy Guevara entirely. Yes, because I mean, MJF, I, speaking of somebody who has it, he has he he still has it. Now let's talk about, but in terms of Sammy Guevara, I think he'll have it more as a face. Which, if it keeps going the way it is, is we'll see that say the beginning of next year. Because I would love to see that MJF and Sammy Guevara match. That'll be awesome. Ooh, that would be so fun. All right, now to close off the debate, we talk. You guys kept mentioning internet and kayfabe, and we mentioned golden era of it being the glory days of wrestling. As I can see it, as I can see why. I mean, I'm talking to two people who were born in the '80s, so, uh-huh. and a lot of people are saying how kayfabe, how the death of kayfabe killed wrestling. How the death of kayfabe pretty much destroyed professional wrestling. It's no longer wrestling. It's sports entertainment now. And to me, I kind of see where they're coming from because of the fact that the cur- the, the curtain wall has dropped. And now everybody's in the know. And because of the rise of the internet and social media, people can't... like Promotions can't surprise people like they used to anymore. They can't... I mean, people are relying more on dirt sheets. People are just, 
you know, just destroying these promotions for long-term booking because they're so impatient. And to me, it takes away the fun of wrestling because what's wrong with a feud, with a feud to quote Big D stretching out till Mania if it's that damn good? Nothing! But, There's nothing with that. But to but to to throw it to, to throw this to you guys, do you think because of the curtain call that wrestling is no longer it is now sports entertainment because of the curtain call which led to the rise of social media? Do you think that all that fell into place? To me, that that the curtain call to me is a catch twenty two. Yes, it lied to the it was during the quote the the beginning stages like the baby infanti, infantile stages of social media with the more readily available internet. But I don't think it put a dent in kayfabe. But it also brought light to, okay, wrestlers are still human beings. They travel with the people that they want to travel with. Because let's be honest here. If if that happened in the golden era, you – there, I mean, because let's, let's talk about the difference in eras now because of that curtain call. Because back in the days, if you were a heel and you had a babyface guy and the heel was beaten up on the babyface – the heel would receive death threats. They would be shot at, or or they would be a victim of attempted murder. Cause especially in the territories, and Big D, you know this, where we had, where people would be getting stabbed. Like there was there was instances where legends got stabbed on their way to the ring because of them being a very convincing heel, them getting death threats in the mail saying, the next time I see you, I'm going to kill you from both men and women. Now, you don't see that because not a lot of people believe that shit. Do you think the curtain called the reason why? No. Or is it because of the events that happened afterwards? It's because of the invention of social media. Okay. K, like, let's face it. When it comes to kayfabe, what really killed kayfabe is not the curtain call. What really killed kayfabe is the invention of social media. In my opinion, social media killed the quote-unquote golden era of professional wrestling. Where you're, where all you had to go on was what, what you saw on those TV shows or the, the magazines, vignettes, the vignettes, the promos, or what you read in the paper. Yeah, the newsletters. Mm-hmm. Or the even at the beginning of W or the beginning of the internet enough to receive those e- those precious emails. Yeah. <laughs> the, email, the emails, the message boards. Yep. The call in the the two dollar and uh, the two dollar a minute call in lines. Oh my oh gosh. Me 
And then with the invention of social media and the quote unquote dirt sheets, that's what killed WWE. Or let me phrase that's what killed professional wrestling. It was it's that. It's not the curtain call, it's not this, it's not that, it's social media. Social media killed Kayfabe. Okay. Um, Madam B, your thoughts? Well, I, I'm i going to think back to a documentary I saw with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and how they he got – he and the Iron Sheik were – Oh, my gosh. I know where you're going. Yes. Some of you already know where I'm going, so – Basically, point is, is that the Hemsaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik, they were foes in the ring, and they had gotten into trouble because they were pulled over, and they were both in the same car, and the cop recognized them, and they got their asses handed to them by the office. Now, let me paraf- – now, let me – um. sorry. Well, I'll let you do this. Now – Explain to our younger audience why that is a big no-no in wrestling back then. Because back then, you know, like we keep talking about, kayfabe was a hundred percent real, and the whole thing was keeping the secret. So if word got out that hacksaw Jim Duggan was sharing a car with his mortal enemy, the Iron Sheik, it would ruin. The entire program. It would ruin the entire storyline that they were involved in together. Basically, all the, the entire cafe would be scrapped. Not, and so, not to mention, yeah. not to mention that even backstage they kept it kayfabe because you never okay. know if per, if a if a fan was gonna like waltz backstage and backstage. The faces was in one locker room and the heels were in the other. Exactly, exactly. They were very into keeping it separate. Now, like the offspring. Yes, gotta keep them separated. Sorry. Now, Big D makes a very solid point. Social media and the, just the dawn of the internet was. The first time, because you have the you had these lovely little things called message boards, which is like you would like Agent Bronsty would go on with his little handle to whatever message board and say, "Hey, I saw." I'm pulling names out of a hat here. I saw Sting and Macho Man having lunch at the Miami Sub together this afternoon. Did any of y'all see that? And just and. You know, and be like, oh, and just have a conversation about it. Right. But but this was, again, before the, the dirt sheets and people having cell phones and, you know, cameras on their phones and so on and so forth. So it's trying to figure, uh, trying to figure out how to say this. So with the dawn of the Internet came the slow decline of kayfabe. I think the thing that. Just, and this is just me as a fan, is when they attempt to pull the wool over your eyes. For example, um, and I'll use a more recent example. Seth Rollins sacrificing himself at Survivor Series. 
Oh, out with a, a quote-unquote injury. Yeah. We all know what he's doing. We've seen it, the Twitter feeds. We've seen the Instagram. It's maternity leave. They're getting ready. He's getting ready. Him and Becky Lynch are getting ready to have their first baby. It's not a fucking secret. So stop treating the fans like we're morons. Like, just tell the truth. Just be like, oh, he's just going away for a little while. But, but then again, tradition being tradition, you know, tradition, in order to get time off, you got to get injured. Yeah, and I think that's the problem with, um, you know, old heads with not changing with the times because you know how you say characters involved i think promotions need to involve evolve as well because they can't let social media kill the sport of professional wrestling they gotta adapt they gotta change and and if you don't do that you will perish well and i think the thing that kind of drives and like i said and the thing that kind of is ruining it is that they're still trying to even though the curtain is already pulled back they're still trying to pretend like, oh, nothing to see here. Focus on it over here. But we see it. We're, we're not dumb. Don't try and distract us with sparklers when we see the big old light show over here. Right. It, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Do they need to adapt with it? Absolutely. And it just, like, if they were to carry feuds, like, because they were starting to do that in on twitter at least at least for a little while and then that stopped and i think i know why it's because fans were getting very nasty towards people uh towards these uh the characters on the internet Uh um if they were just able to carry over the feud from tv onto the internet or onto these social onto these platforms it wouldn't be so bad, but see, then you get, but then you, you know, we're in the age of the keyboard warrior where just because, you know, no one can punch you in the face (laughs) for saying what you are going to say, you're going to say some really horrible, nasty things on the internet where it's there forever. So I, I can see why they stopped that, but I, I don't know, but I definitely do agree that pretty much kayfabe is dead, but they just keep trying to re to resurrect it. Both and it's not it's not cool. True, both of you guys make valid points. Um, to me, if you're asking my opinion, I think the curtain call was the catalyst. It was like the little crack in the, it was the noticeable crack in the wall. I mean, the hacksaw Jim Duggan and Iron Sheik one that I mean only one per. Like, one person saw it. It wasn't really worldwide, per se. But the curtain call was huge because it was recorded. And it just, it was a catalyst to everything. And then you had, like, you know, WCW constantly confusing fans week to week on what is a work and what is a shoot, thanks to Vince Russo and multiple events leading up to that with the... Um, accessibility of social media that in turn killed kayfabe further killed it to the point where there is no curtain wall anymore people could just run through it all nearly will uh, willy-nilly to the point where promoters have to be stupid to go back in time to old traditions to see, you know turn back the clock per se it never works why do you think people are so fed up seeing 
you're t seeing old timers coming back for one more run over and over and over again as main attractions fine but as top stars no because they're past their prime and it's time for some new ones you have to evolve and change and adapt and if you can't you'll perish which is something that they had no problems doing back then but social media comes in and everything goes away oh we don't know what to do it's like you were on the road to it and then all of a sudden you just stop yeah it makes it, no sense. You just gotta you like you like you gotta be on the button with what people are doing today, and I think that's to me. I think that's where AEW, if anything, is better at than WWE. They don't treat their fans like stupid idiots. No, they really don't. With WWE, they treat their fans with stupid idiots. Now I'll go on the record and say WWE, WWE's talent by far surpasses AEW's talent. But if we're talking run if but but if we're talking, you know, relevancy, AEW tops WWE. I can agree with that statement. Because of the fact of they are not they are they are in tune to what you know today's society is it's all it's a lot of technology it's made it's basically social social media has become the biggest thing ever to where people are getting paid from it exactly so you gotta learn to adapt to these certain scenarios otherwise you won't catch up and you'll just fall off a cliff yeah and that will pretty much be the the death of Failure to adapt is what's going to be the death of professional wrestling or professional or sports entertainment altogether. And I don't want to see that, but unless, you know, the big companies allow, set the precedent to allow for change, which they're doing it, but they're doing it very slowly in some ways. And in other ways, we've seen it go forward and take one tiny step forward and then one giant leap back yep. and it's just like you know again we're not dummies you guys need to get your shit together and I don't know if they're just not doing it or they're just so overwhelmed that they take one look and it's like me you know trying to fold my clothes it's like I look at it I get so overwhelmed I just have to curl up into a ball and wait for the wait for the wave to just kind of pitter out but i'm not sure what's going on but you know some traditions just need to go away especially if they're not working anymore and the proof is in the pudding mm -hmm. exactly lowest uh lowest ratings and viewership and ever big d on flagship show like come on guys right Big D, any final thoughts? No, she summed it up pretty good. All right. Well, that's a pretty good debate, guys. Um, we, uh, you guys definitely got some viewpoints, uh, some opinions from three from the three marksmen, uh, three individuals who've been watching wrestling for a combined total of sixty years plus. Uh, not to mention this was quite the uh, 
quite the prologue to our mini to what's to come, which will be our mini series titled New School versus Old School, where I will get two guest hosts. It can be the Bog Squad, it can be DS, it can be uh, Rated R, it can be Chuckles from whoever, one representing new, one representing old, and I'll just give them topics such as this, and you'll get opinions from two different eras. So it's going to be very interesting. It's something I actually wanted to do around this time, but because of COVID, I couldn't do it. But next year, definitely... I'm laying the challenge down, and I hope to God this man hears it. I want Chef. Oh, no! Oh, gosh. I think that this is going to be a dirty debate. Chef's new school versus my old school. All right. Well, we'll definitely uh, put that into the works. But, yes, um, stay tuned within the next couple of weeks, especially in January, to find out more about this miniseries. But as far as this episode goes, that is it. We will catch you in two weeks. That will be a three sweet. And a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. We are out, people.